WBNE. Hello and well, hmm, well, hello and welcome to episode seventy-four, all about Two Towers theatrical edition, part four, being the seventy-fourth part of "That's What I'm Talking About." My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Mike Schubert of Potterless, as well as many other projects by now, as well as his wife, Kelly. So welcome. Thank you for having us. Has anyone ever told you that Mary Clay was too difficult? Because it's a very easy name to say. Can I please get that? I'm going to Ethan Edgehill, if you are listening right now. Screw you. <laughs> Listen to what Mike just said. He gives me the hardest. Yeah, people What's hard about Mary my name Clay? wrong all the time. How? Um, <laughs> a lot of people don't understand the concept of having a double name. Uh, and so okay, when I okay, say okay. like, hi, my name is Mary Clay, they assume Clay is my last name. Uh, and uh, even when I include my full name and I say Mary Clay Watt, people, I think, assume that Clay is like my maiden name. Or your middle name and you're a fancy actor that has to go by your exactly. full. Right. Exactly. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. So, so, yeah, so I started, it's the whole, like, hi, my name is Mary Clay, if that's too complicated for you, just call me MC, started out as a joke when I started this podcast, <laughs> no. because the amount of times I was still getting people being like, oh, Mary, that was funny. Mm. And I, like, mm-hmm. said it one time as a joke, and now it's my introduction, and people still don't get it right. And I'm like, how can you, it's, I gave you an option that is two <laughs> letters, and you're still not doing it right. I've had friends who have had the same issue. I had a friend, Murphy Kate Delaney, and her mother, actually, is Mary Jo Delaney and they have had countless issues when they have to fill out forms and stuff to be like where do I let you know that there's a space in my first name but it's not my middle name so I I can I can sympathize with your plight I mean okay so enough ranting about my name (laughs) anyway Um, anyway uh, Lord of the Rings (laughs) um yeah so Mike for listeners that don't know Potterless helped spark the idea for this podcast I I came up with this terrible pun involving Tolkien and was like someone should have a Lord of the Rings podcast but not me because I know nothing (laughs) about Lord of the Rings and then Uh, I was like well wait a minute Mike Schubert knew nothing about (laughs) Harry Potter and he has a Harry Potter podcast so why not huzzah and then when I messaged Mike to see if he was if he like liked Lord of the Rings at all he said oh yeah I like it but Kelly is obsessed with it (laughs) so I've, I've been obsessed with it always I grew up um watching the movies the extended versions lord of the rings 3 is actually the first movie and the only movie i've ever seen multiple times in theaters i had to beg my parents to let me go a second time um so i grew up on the movies and my dad telling me about the books and i'm actually reading the books for the first time now and re-watching the movies as i go which is why mike says i'm obsessed with it right now but it's always been a goal <laughs> of mine to read the books and so that's something i'm finally doing i'm just past the first one. I'm in the second chapter of the second book right now. And she has the big book that's got every single book in one. This mm-hmm. like fancy suede leather oh, bound yeah. one. And it's fun when Kelly's like, oh yeah, I'll go to the park and I'll bring my book, which is a textbook. <laughs> it's enormous. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'll bring I'll bring my book, this brick. Or I'll like rollerblade for an hour with my book strapped to my back just so I can read it. Your and back muscles like... have been absolutely yeah. shredded. It's just like doing an hour of cardio with a bunch of weight on your back. <laughs> it is 
a brick. You could <laughs> injure someone. Oh, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, so that's actually perfect because I uh, I ask all my guests how they got into Lord of the Rings and you know what their background and experiences mm. is like with that. Um, so, Mike, what's your experience with Lord of the Rings? So I never really liked it. Unsurprisingly, I didn't like it because I don't. I never have, and I still only kind of like fantasy stuff. So when this was coming out when I was a kid, I just didn't care. The closest I got to really taking it in was I played the Lord of the Rings video game with my friend quite a bit. I used to play as Aragorn a lot because I liked his sword. Um, so that was fun, but I didn't really watch the stuff. It, literally every time I tried to watch them growing up, anytime they were on TV or my friends had them on or whatever, I would always fall asleep because I already fall asleep pretty easily during movies, but just the soothing music and the gorgeous landscapes and the boring conversations what? usually led to me falling asleep. And even now, like when Kelly and I were long distance dating, we were started to watch the movies together, you know, via FaceTime, Skype, whatever. It literally took us two years. It took a really long time because it was hard <laughs> for us to find time to watch it. Then like the only very legal stream we could get of the second movie was the director's cut edition, which I think is 75 hours long. So it was just very hard. So Kelly loves them. I didn't really watch them until Kelly sat me down and made me watch them. And has, she has to keep waking me up because I still to this day, even last night when we were watching our section in prep for this episode, I always find a way to fall asleep while watching these movies. It makes me so mad. We watched the first one literally. OK, I watched it five times. Mike pieced it together like piece by piece because he would fall asleep and I would just watch the rest of the movie. And then the next time we'd go to watch it, he'd fall asleep and I'd just watch the rest of the movie. The score is just really good. I also will say, speaking of score, uh, Lord of the Rings pinball is one of my favorite pinball machines. Oh, yeah. It's a very good machine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very, very good. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. Oh, that's awesome. That'll just be another thing I have to cover. It's good. It's a really good one. Machine. It's solid. Get to shoot the Balrog with the pinball. It's fun. <laughs> I love I love pinball. I love pinball. We uh growing up actually it's no, it's still there at our house. Somehow, I don't know how we acquired it, but we had a pinball machine like an old, like vintage uh -huh. pinball machine in my basement slash playroom growing up. So I'm really good at pinball. That's like my one brag that I have in my life is that I'm good at pinball. It's awesome. It's very good. <laughs> also, Kelly, are you going to be I'm concerned because I don't want to spoil things that are in the book for you that if you have yet to read. Are you concerned about that at all? No, I feel like at this point the book is all added bonus. I know what happens in the story. I mean, my dad's told me a fair amount about the book and I've I have watched the extended cut which just adds more into it that you don't get from the from the movie uh so I'm not worried about spoilers okay cool because we are going to I'm going to get very passionately into that in this episode because of my certain favorite boy Faramir <laughs> I'm actually very intrigued because since I have only finished fellowship and the majority of fellowship is told from Frodo's perspective I haven't really I mean I've gotten like two chapters into two towers and so I haven't really gotten into other people's perspectives yet so watching the bit of the movie last night for this episode I was just like I really am super excited to figure out how they do a lot of these these things um in the book so yeah yeah, it's not not good. <laughs> so so the movie adaptation of Two Towers is where I would say it the way that they structured it excels a little bit better cuz usually when you talk about book to movie adaptations everyone's always going to say the book was better. Two Towers might be like 
least favorite book I've ever read because the way that <laughs> Tolkien wrote it, I is gasped tells... so badly that I just. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Sorry, I gasped when you said that. that I just like swallowed. I don't. Too I don't want to ruin it for you, but but the way that Tolkien structured it, he has Aragorn and Gandalf and tree beard like that kind of stuff all happens in book one or I guess that's book three the first half and then the last half is all Frodo and Sam and Gollum you don't cut back and forth between to get that that reprieve and it's terrible and depressing and you're like why do I have to read more chapters of my least favorite hobbits let's be honest we all like Harry and Pippin better that sounds like (laughs) if book seven of Harry Potter was just the camping it (laughs) I mean it's worse than that like imagine all the camping and then it's it's yeah it's worse than that huh because i'm trying to think of like who would be it's like if they had dobby with them the whole time (laughs) (laughs) i just i i guess i do wonder how much i'm gonna hate it because i love sam and i love getting into sam's head to figure out more about him but but don't yeah. you find Gollum annoying? I, I hate every minute he's on screen. Mm-hmm. I think he's a really interesting... I think he's interesting as a character. character. I, I think I just find the voice and everything annoying. Well, you're not going to get that when you're reading the book. I so. know, but I'm I, if I was reading it, I'd still imagine it. I'd have to like give Gollum a new voice where it's like, hi, sure. I'm Gollum voiced by Idris Elba. I'll give him a new voice in my head when I read it. <laughs> I think that's also like... It's too... I've like gushed about how amazing Andy Serkis is as Gollum. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you, Mike, that Gollum is terrible to watch. And I basically hate every minute he's on screen. But I think that's to the credit of Andy Serkis because I you're not really supposed to like Gollum. You're right. supposed to be disgusted by him. Yeah, I the way I view it is like the way that I view Andy Serkis playing Gollum is the way that when Jim Dale does voices in the Harry Potter books for the audiobook, it's impressive and I respect the talent, but I do not find it entertaining or enjoyable. Huh. I like the complexity. I think I just don't like the act of listening to that voice. <laughs> I think that's like the big complaint. I don't like looking at his ugly face and hearing his annoying sounding voice. I actually can do that voice. Let's not. Um, and <laughs> so I think that's why I'm not annoyed by it. <laughs> I used to do it as a kid to to like to my brother when I would just talk to him. I would just use the Gollum voice. So maybe that's why I'm not annoyed by it. Um, fun fact: Andy Circus based the Gollum voice on a cat coughing up a furball, <laughs> which makes sense. Yeah, it's very it's very good. Over on the main quest, Sam and Frodo have been taken captive by Faramir, who is unsure if they can be trusted. With Saruman and Isengard on one side and Sauron and Mordor on the other, he's under a lot of pressure to keep Gondor safe. And yet, that still doesn't give him a good enough reason to act the way he's about to. Faramir tricks Frodo into tricking Smeagol into trusting him again, only for that to be completely ruined by Faramir capturing him. Faramir overhears Gollum slash Smeagol talking about the ring and confronts Frodo and Sam. Faramir's judgment is slowly being clouded by his daddy issues, I mean the ring, and decides that despite Sam yelling at him but not actually explaining what it did to Boromir that he will take the ring to Osgiliath. Our favorite white boy Aragorn makes his way back to Helm's Deep and is reunited with his boyfriends Gimli and Legolas as Eowyn looks onward thinking, oh, so that's the elf he's in love with. 
Then Aragorn dramatically pushes some doors open in the most beautiful use of slow motion ever, finally giving purpose to this otherwise useless subplot of Aragorn almost dying. Oh, and he also warns Theoden and everyone that Saruman's army is 10,000 strong and Theoden orders everyone who is capable to fight. But the most important thing is the doors. Treebeard's here. Remember him? He gathers the other Ents for an Ent moot where they will decide whether to get involved. Finally, the Ents are taking action and I can't wait to see... Oh, nope, that was it. We cut to Helm's Deep again. Legolas and Aragorn have a lover's Quirrell and Elvish about how they're all going to die in this battle. Theoden has an existential crisis over being a terrible king. Aragorn and Legolas make up after Aragorn swings a sword around in front of a child. Suddenly, they are met with an unexpected surprise. So unexpected, it's as if this doesn't happen in the books at all. The elves appear to fight alongside men once more, and Legolas makes a really weird face while standing behind Haldir. So this part of the movie, we, we start off with Faramir looking at a map, which is this part of the movie is for all the people in the audience being like, I have no idea where they are or <laughs> where anyone is and how it relates to everybody else, a.k.a. me, the entire time I was reading the book. I got to say, the maps, I don't know how if there are countries or distinct hard regions in Lord of the Rings. But it feels like the maps are not very helpful because it's just like they describe mountains and then it's just like text where it says like, this is Rohan. And it's like Rohan. And then there's another text where it'll be like, what's another land? Gondor. Gondor. But there's no like lines. Like where does it end and begin? Like are are there not distinct towns? Oh it's my just gosh, like gosh, I didn't bring my book with me. I I know what the map looks like, and there's not like this is the I end find... of this is where Alabama ends, and you know Louisiana <laughs> yeah, begins. They have some dash lines for I think the boundaries between. It depends on I which don't... version you're looking at. The map at. that in the movie he's specifically looking at doesn't. It's just words, and I it feels find, like no, an I don't unhelpful think there map. are distinct um, boundaries in terms of like this is where Gondor starts and Rohan ends. Mm -hmm. But I there are specific points where this is where a city is um okay. however i will say we might get answers to this because they announced that they are releasing uh unseen essays from tolkien next uh, summer oh. and supposedly the contents of this will include geography about gondor i think is what i read so okay. we might get more answers but mike your your assumption that the maps are not very helpful is mostly at least in my experience was mostly correct because it would be I, I would struggle to even find where they were on the map I just I find myself being so pro everything I I love the maps they're in the back of my book and I find myself flipping to them at least a couple times a chapter to be like oh okay I understand which way they're going now because I can see it on the map and I'm like tracing out the lines that each group is taking Mm. I'm too pro everything. <laughs> That's fine. I just think it'd be very confusing if you looked at a map of the United States and it was just like Tennessee, Kentucky, West Virginia, and there's well, no lines. It's an interesting thing. Besides this like war with Mordor, it's like nobody really has territory disputes. Nobody's between like Rohan, at least that I've gotten to yet, nobody between Rohan and Gondor is like that piece of land is mine or that piece of your land is mm -hmm. mine. Yeah, but they just haven't fully, you know, expanded and gentrified all the... Uh... <laughs> all the woods yet there's a lot of empty space so right I guess, yeah, yeah it's a lot of empty <laughs> i think the only time they get into talking about like losing land or losing territory is when treebeard is talking or at least in the books um when treebeard is talking about the ants and how they are the forests have slowly like lessened in the mm. space that they've taken up over like hundreds of years as man has like grown and so the forests and the ants are much smaller than they used to be mm -hmm. so i 
think that's really the only of course I say this I have not read the Silmarillion which Mike I don't know if you I know it heard exists of this. it's basically uh, yeah. like the bible mm-hmm. but for Lord of the Rings yeah no I know it exists that's as far as I've gotten I will say yeah. if, if the ends are reducing a number of good riddance I think they are so bad they talk no they talk no just let me there's there's a whole like section of one of the movies where it's like they talk to the the two hobbits mary and pippin for like way too long that they miss half the fight because they're like should we fight or not i i i despise them oh my god okay we will (laughs) i'll have to i'm holding i'm holding back those feelings for when we get to the the ints in just a second this i say a second it'll be like an hour this is Um, what i deal with on a daily basis him hating on Every piece of it. Last night, I literally, while we were watching the movie, I paused it and went to this big in-depth about Bill the Pony and, like oh. in the comparison of the movies and the books. And I look over, Mike's asleep listening to me talk about Bill mm-hmm. the Pony. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's Bill not the pony. even- I'm like, you not, you can't even blame it on the soundtrack. There's no soundtrack behind me right now. And he's like, I just don't care about Bill. And I'm like, that's <laughs> the worst thing you could say right now. Honestly, I love Bill. Bill the Pony is to Lord of the at least books is to Lord of the Rings as Lil Sebastian is to Percy. <laughs> I love me Lil yes. Sebastian though. I yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Actually, so in the scene before, I think it's like right before this or did it happen already? I don't remember. It's all becoming a blur to me at this point when Aragorn is rescued by his horse. At first, I was like, oh, my God, it's Bill the Pony. He came back. That's where we pause. And I was like, let me tell you about Bill. And then I press play. And I was like, never mind. That's not Bill. (laughs) That's that's Brago. Yeah. (laughs) I think Brago's better than Bill. He saved Aragorn. I like Aragorn a lot. And if someone saved him, I'm more of a fan of that horse. I'm not anti-Brago. I'm just (laughs) pro-Bill. We're (laughs) pro-Bill. So, yeah, so they're reading this map and they're deciding, they're like, what are we going to do? Because we have Saruman and his forces on one side and we have Mordor and Sauron on this other side. We're going to get killed. Oh, no. Kind of like setting up this this desperate situation that Gondor is in. And then we have uh, Frodo and Sam. Their blindfolds are removed. This is another like terrible CGI shot that you can really tell because of the them having to do the make them smaller than everyone else since they're hobbits. Mm-hmm. They take their blindfolds off and then the camera like pans out as everyone is moving around them. And at least for me, I could tell immediately that like, what are their names? Elijah Wood and Sean Astin shot that scene on a green screen and then they were digitally made smaller and edited in later. Yeah, this was our first time watching it on HBO Max on our TV, which we got a nice TV from a Black Friday deal. Or we got a nice TV from... I guess I don't, we got I got we got a nice TV early ago. in this year. It was, it was Black it, Friday, yeah. yeah. It was yeah, last Black Friday. My God, time. Um, but <laughs> it didn't arrive until like January. It was this Black Friday deal where like the deal was we don't know when this TV is coming back in stock, so you'll get it in <laughs> question mark months. It was a great deal. So we have a really nice TV, and we watched this on HBO Max, and this is the first time I've seen a really clear picture. And I think the biggest thing that stood out, and this is just the movie's really old, is like the CGI stuff versus the real stuff was like very apparent. Like Gollum looked very very fake. You could tell when they were superimposing the hobbits. So I agree, like mm-hmm. this viewing more than my other viewings, it was very clear 
what stuff was real and what stuff was not. It's interesting you say that about Gollum because that's the one thing that I have been like, yeah, they did that really well, especially considering it was 2002. Mm-hmm. To me, they did they did Gollum really well. And the right. fact that like I can watch it now and not be like, oh, this is just so terrible, I can't watch it. It's like he, Gollum himself looks good, but if you look at like how he moves in the background and you're looking for it, you can tell whether it's shadows or lighting or something. It's mm-hmm, it's like individually yeah. Gollum looks good and then individually the background looks good. But then when they're together, you know, it's just like not correct. My eyes were picking up on it, this viewing. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so they are looking around uh, at all these men that Faramir has like taken them captive. And he comes over and is like, we think you're orc spies. And I'm like, yes, these children are <laughs> clearly spies for Sauron. Yeah, I thought the same thing when they're like, you're spies. It's like, have you looked at these people? <laughs> And uh, and Faramir is looks at like Frodo. He's like, "Who are you guys?" And Frodo is like, "I'm Frodo of the Shire." And Sam's like, "I'm Sam." And <laughs> he's like, "Who are you? His bodyguard?" And he goes, "No, I'm his gardener." Yeah, it really didn't feel like the burn that with the conviction that Sam said it with. It sounded like he said a less impressive thing. <laughs> <laughs> I am watching the movies. I I felt the same way of why would you look at these people and think that they're spies? But reading the books and having found out that there were spies in Bree that were both men and like unassuming men. And there were some hobbits in Bree that were spies. I guess their mindset is anybody could be a spy at this point. Yeah. And as the new leader essentially uh now that boromir has died rip oof <laughs> faramir has to be suspicious you know yeah. of people that he comes and you know encounters in the wild especially considering they had like just fought off this huge army of sauron's forces now you bring up a, a point that i wanted to discuss that i i tried discussing this with kelly last night and she was not feeling it <laughs> The fact that the brothers are named Boromir and Faramir, like they have rhyming names. Okay, look. What are we doing? <laughs> I I hate to break it to you, but that's how Tolkien wrote the whole book. It's everyone's got married. Like, oh, look, it's my, it's my, you know, my daughter's Molly and Polly. Hello. <laughs> you say that. That's not, it's literally not a joke. Oh. Um, Eowyn and her brother, her brother's name is Eomer. Mm. Theoden's son is named, or was named. He, he's dead now. It's Theodred. Aragorn, <laughs> son of Arathorn. Oh, I do. Yes, I I was laughing at that too. So, yeah. It, Frodo, uh, son of, son of uh, Drogo, right? Yeah, Drogo. Dra- Dra- I always want to say Draco, but that's not it. And then Is they have Uncle Drogo? Bilbo. Yeah. I thought so. it was Drogo. I could be wrong. Something like that. Or like Drago. It's, it's something along those lines. And, you know, and Bilbo, mm-hmm, it all. Mm-hmm. And then there's just Sam. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> It's okay. He Son a, of Gaffer. It, well, yeah, and his mom's <laughs> name is Pam. You know, you're you're not wrong there. That is definitely something that is very. It's also very confusing as I'm doing the movies because at least when I was doing chapter by chapter, there was only three or four characters that I was discussing at that point. But now it'll be like, okay, in this scene we have Aomer and Ao. No, I'm just kidding. It's Aomer and. Uh, <laughs> Gandalf and <laughs> it's just a mess. Yeah. So speaking of Boromir, he's uh Faramir asks them like, "How did you get here? What are you doing out here?" And Frodo explains the situation that they set out from Rivendell. Everything went to Shire. He he was like, "We were with two men, Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and Boromir of Gondor." The look that Faramir gets on his face when he says 
Boromir is heartbreaking. Mm. And he reveals to Frodo and Sam that Boromir is dead, which of course we already know that, but... uh. Yeah. yeah, but you forget that they don't know that. Yeah, and they don't. Know, it's so they also don't because they say they also say that they were with Gandalf and he died in Moria, and they don't know that Gandalf is alive. Mm-hmm. I guess they didn't watch the first movie because that was the most obvious thing ever is that he wasn't <laughs> dead. I don't know why people thought that was a plot twist, but like once he went down, I was like, you don't just kill Sir Ian McKellen in the first movie. <laughs> like he's coming back. I remember Kelly was trying to like hold on to the spoiler. He's like, oh, Gandalf's dead. I was like, no, he's not, Kelly. <laughs> There's Similarly, no way. In, in Two Towers, I was like, yeah, Aragorn's dead. He's dead right now. He fell. <laughs> that right. one is a total joke. <laughs> I'll give you Gandalf, sure, maybe, but like Aragorn's fake out death is just zero tension there. I was not at all concerned. Of course, I knew like what happened already, but right. I think had I been watching this for the first time, I would have been like, he's obviously not dead. Nah, I even when I watched and he fell off the cliff, I was like, hey, how how high was that cliff? And then they look over and I'm like, oh, there's water. He'll be okay. Yeah, so he reveals to them that Boromir's dead. Rip, oof. Don't really care though, because I don't like Boromir. <laughs> I do love Faramir though. <laughs> I have a I have a friend. I'm uh, some of my church friends are also reading at the same time, except they're all ahead of me because they started sooner. And somebody's trying to convince me that Boromir is the best character, and I'm just like, no, God. <laughs> I'm not, no. I'm not. She's like, the movies really did him dirty. I'm like, yeah, so did the books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so did what, Boromir himself. <laughs> that's what like gets me going is people will be like, oh, they, uh, they say this with Denethor too. They say that like, oh, he's, they really did him dirty in the movies. He's not that. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like literally, did you read the book? They, they drew directly from the source material here. <laughs> I will say they did, they did really lean into the whole like, hey, Boromir is going to betray us thing they leaned into that real hard yeah but uh yeah he he, like when I was reading I hated on Boromir every time he was in a chapter I just hated on him so much and everyone uh, hated it and was like he's redeemed don't worry just wait for it and even after he had died people were still telling me to to wait and that he would be redeemed and I'm like he's dead yeah. What? What? What, <laughs> what else do you think is gonna I'm happen? Getting, here? I'm getting flashbacks to people trying to tell me Snape doesn't suck ass, which okay, he does. no, that's different. He <laughs> really does. does suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then Faramir, it's so awkward. He goes, he's like, oh, so you were Boromir's friend? He was like, maybe you can tell me what happened to him if you were his friend. And Frodo has this like awkward pause where you can tell he's about to be like, well. What happened was <laughs> he tried to kill me and then I ran away and then a bunch of orcs attacked and then because of that, he died. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where they started to do things with Faramir. So watching watching this the first time, I was just so happy that Faramir was here because he, reading the book, I was just so happy when he showed up because it's this break from Sam and Frodo and Gollum. He is such a perfect, pure cinnamon roll boy. And <laughs> I was just so happy to see him in the movie. And what... I did not know yet. I wish I could like go back to that one, the moment when he appeared and I was just happy and I didn't know what was yet to come with him. They start doing things with Faramir's character that I was like, I don't, I don't get it. He's supposed to be a good guy. Why is he, why is he looking all evil and, and being weird about this? Oh, well, I'm sure I'm just reading this wrong. Oh no. Do I need to like plug my ears right now? (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. I don't know. No, I said I was fine with it. I'm going to be fine with it. It's okay. (laughs) It's not like I'm... What you are going to read in the book is going to be much better than what happened in the movie. Oh. So I'm not really... I'm not like ruining anything that happened in the book because in my opinion, and apparently it's the wrong opinion, I think I'm like the only person who cares about this character change. Faramir is not tempted by the ring. He is very cool and chill when Frodo and Sam meet them and they have like a feast. And then later on, Frodo and Sam tell him about the ring and they tell him about what happened with Boromir. And Faramir's like, yeah, that's really sad. Yeah, that's really awful that my brother died. So I guess we'll help you in any way we can to destroy this thing that destroyed my brother. So you guys go on to Mordor, have fun. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what happens wow. in the book. That is very different. Mm-hmm. So moving on to the next part of the scene, they find Gollum, uh, who's swimming around outside of this like hideout area. And I really wish they had kept in one of the descri- the the ways that the characters in the book describe Gollum when he's like hiding or sneaking in and out of trees or stuff is hilarious. There's I think it's during this part of the of the story where someone describes him as like a large black hairless squirrel or something. <laughs> there's another time where someone described him as like an oversized frog (laughs) so i wish they had like kept those in somehow there's that time uh in the first book where they describe him as a log with feet and that actually there uh there is like an extended edition scene basically where that happens (laughs) where you like see what looks like a log and then like eyes like peep open basically yeah so faramir grabs frodo and is like is this is this with you (laughs) and Hmm. frodo's like yeah i'll let me go get him instead of you guys killing him he will listen to me frodo has to trick Gollum into coming with him and they really like went hard on like we're gonna make you we're gonna make Gollum look cute like a child and he's gonna look innocent and we're gonna feel bad for him when he is ambushed and kidnapped by these guys i will have to say that before we continue this discussion when when they pull the little trick on Frodo to get him to admit that Gollum is with them. Uh, they have like all of the people with the bow and arrows pointed at Gollum because he's swimming in the forbidden pool. And Faramir is like, oh, we're going to kill him. And then when he looks like he's about to give the command to shoot, that's when Frodo comes in and he's like, oh, no, you know, I'm bound to him and he's bound to me. And the look that Faramir gives Frodo right afterwards, the like, oh, you are lying to me. Look is so funny. It is so funny. He's like, oh, I've caught you. Uh, it's priceless. I don't think I've ever noticed that. I'll have to go back and rewatch that. You got to rewatch it's, it. It's, it's pretty so good. good. It's pretty good. Because he turns his head just the slightest amount He's and like, raises oh, his eyebrows a bit. <laughs> and his hair just like feathers in the wind a little. It's really good. Yeah. The, the, the playing into the cuteness of Gollum. I mean, at this point, I see him as Smeagol, not as Gollum, because we previously yeah, I had, should say Smeagol. Yeah, yeah. We, he previously had the scene where he did his little. He got rid of his evilness. I, I, my friend thought that there were five Gollums for like the majority of her life until I told her very recently there was just one. She thought there were like five because they always looked so different and were talking to each other. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think his cuteness is just to play up the fact that he's he's Smeagol for now Mm -hmm. and it's also it's supposed to like make you 
Because because so what happens in the in the following scene is Smeagol is lying there and he's like huddled in a corner and he's crying and got the golem part of him is talking to him and it's like, see, I told you they're going to hurt you. See what happened. And Smeagol is very upset. And Faramir is listening in on this. And you see this change in him where he starts to feel bad. And I'm like, this was when watching it the first time I was like, wait a minute, they're going to have Faramir side with Gollum and not Frodo. What's happening here? Um, Whatever. I hate whatever. I hate this whole scene because Frodo could have gone down there and been like, hey, Smeagol, you're in imminent danger. You need to come with me. Don't worry, I'm going to sort everything out. And Smeagol could have been like, oh, I was in imminent danger and my master did save me. And like, like if anybody had thought logically about this situation Look, at all, it wouldn't have been an issue. I say this a lot. So this is under my headcanon that literally all of the hobbits, except for Bilbo, are Hufflepuffs. I say this a lot. There is a reason Frodo is not in Ravenclaw. <laughs> Logic does not come easily because there's also what so yeah so as Faramir is like feeling bad for Gollum and he overhears Gollum talking about the ring we have this scene between Sam and Frodo where Sam tells him to put the ring on and run away which book Sam would never and (laughs) the way that Frodo is currently he wouldn't have the strength to resist putting the ring on and it makes no and it makes me it makes me mad. I'm like, this isn't this doesn't add up at all. Sam would never tell Frodo to put the ring on. And at this point, Frodo was so encompassed by the ring that he shouldn't realistically be able to say, No, Sam, I'm not gonna put the ring on. And then yeah, so then Faramir comes in, and this is again where it's like, come on, guys, let's just use some logic here <laughs> and explain what happened. Faramir sees the ring. And it's like, we're going to use this as a weapon for Gondor. And we're going to, I think the line he says is like a chance for Faramir to show his quality. And I'm like, Faramir, you are already a man of quality. You just need to stop doing what you are doing right now. If if they had just explained that noise was me slamming my fist on the table. Oh, yeah. It <laughs> came through clearly. Um, <laughs> if they had just explained, hey, the ring is the reason your brother is dead because it drove him mad. He w- which is what happens in the book. And that's when Faramir is able to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. This ev- this thing is evil. Let's get rid of it. But no, they have to be like, can't you see what it's doing to him? Stop being mean to us. <laughs> mm, yeah, that makes far less sense. <laughs> I haven't gotten to that point yet. I, n- I have never questioned it because I- I've always looked at Boromir and Faramir as similar to a point where they they diverge. And right now, because I haven't read the book yet, I always imagine they're building the tension of where, how far does Faramir go down the same path as Boromir before he diverges into something different. So I, I am surprised. I'm... I'm going to go home and read is what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm really excited for you to like, please like message me or something. Like that <laughs> <to those chapters. laughs> I'm glad to know that the books solve this problem because I feel this way a little bit with the movie. I definitely felt like Kelly pointed out. I feel like there could have just been a conversation between Frodo and Smeagol instead of lying. This movie and in many movies, it's like if you guys would just talk to each other. Mm-hmm. and have some sort of communication, there'd be so many fewer problems if you were just like, hi, this is how I actually feel and this is what I'm actually doing right now. So it's it's giving me, as someone that has not read the books and never will, uh, it's, giving, it's, giving me assu- it's giving me assurance that 
at least it does take place in the I'm books. already looking forward to my um my first reread. From Go when... for it. Have fun. I'm I will already... play Hades for the 7,000th time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I'm ever going to do a reread. I don't know. They're hard books to They're read. long. They're very long. It's not like you're rereading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which is like mm-hmm. 200 pages with size 86 font. And it's like, <laughs> Harry grabbed his wand. So it's a little different. I 1,000% yeah. will be rereading, which is <laughs> yeah. why I bought the book rather than borrowed it. I knew going yeah. in <laughs> that this would become a thing for me. But yeah. <laughs> it, the, so the other thing about this is that I don't like how... It feels like they are repeating, like we're backtracking in the story almost, and it feels like they're repeating Boromir's plotline. And like, we've already seen this, you know, we've already seen it happen. Someone thinks they can use the ring for Gondor. It doesn't go well. We know how this is going to end. So why are we wasting our time here? I'll tell you why we're wasting our time here. And this is what is going to lead into like another one of my unpopular opinions. And this is also isn't my theory. This is they they said. So it was clear to the writers from the beginning. Oh, wait, let me. So they they naturally decide they decided to make the Battle of Helm's Deep the climax of Two Towers movie, which this is going to be another surprise for you, Kelly, when you get into the book, is that Helm's Deep is like an eight-page chapter. I'm actually unsurprised by that. And the actual battle is maybe three pages. Yeah, I have found that all of the action scenes that are very, very long in the movies as I'm reading are just very short when you're reading the book, which makes sense because good action is very hard to write and very boring for a lot of people, but visual action is a lot more you know, cinematic and fun to Mm -hmm. watch. So I'm actually not surprised to learn that Helm's Deep is going to be a very short, short thing. I do have a question about Helm's Deep, though. Does the book, since you've read it, does the book state that Legolas (laughs) takes his sword or takes his shield and kicks it and then rides down the stairs like a skateboard shooting people all the way down? Because that's the best part of the whole film franchise. <laughs> no, that doesn't have. Also, so listeners, when I messaged Mike, <laughs> so here, here's the thing about this particular section of the movie, is when I created, when I was like dividing these up, I was like, I feel so bad for whoever I'm gonna have to get on for literally right before Helm's Deep. <laughs> is that us? That's yeah. us, baby. <laughs> that's you guys. Yeah. So Mike specifically was like, "Can I have whatever part of the movie has Legolas surfing with his shield during?" the battle and I was like oh, I'm so sorry that's already been taken however can I interest you in Gollum stuff you did say can I interest you in uh, sexy Aragon opening the door which is a pretty yes. good second place yeah. it's a re- yeah. I, I want to open every single door like that from now on it is really good but I will say just the final thing about the skateboard thing is I did do some market research and I did find out that this movie came out in 2002 and that's also when Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 came out so uh, right before the Tony Hawk franchise peaked at Tony Underground, so it feels it feels understandable that they would add skateboarding to this movie. Um, my theory is that the creators of Zelda: Breath of the Wild watched this and they're like, "Oh, shield surfing, we got to do that." <laughs> I also love the Legolas part right before uh, this oh was. My God. This was in the part before us where he like flings himself oh, onto the horse with Gimli as they're going off to fight the wolves, which. I- I don't I don't know if I, I don't think I talked about that part, but his shoulder for sure should have dislocated. <laughs> He's an elf. He defies physics. That's what that's what I'm going with. Yeah, Kelly said yeah. they're weightless, so he can they make do no these footprints in the snow. They make no sound when they walk. 
I I think they're weightless. No, that makes sense for sure. What were we t- oh yeah, them having yeah logic and oh yeah okay yeah Helmsteep Helmsteep that's right yeah so they completely restructured the way that Two Towers book is when they were translating it into a movie. And it's also that Helm's Deep will be the climax of the movie because there are a lot of things that happen in Return of the King, the beginning of Return of the King movie that are actually Two Towers book. Hmm. I completely disagree with how they did this Hmm. because of this whole Faramir plotline, because if you're going to drag out the other parts of the story, you have to, so that Helm's Deep can be the climax, you have to also drag out the other I say side plot. This is the main plot of the movie is Frodo with the ring. (laughs) You have to drag it out so that their parts of the story don't get ahead just so you can have Helm's Deep be the climax. This also happened with Treebeard and Merry and Pippin's plot is that that gets dragged out unnecessarily throughout two and a half plus hours of this movie, which you don't need to do. And I understand this is, it's only going to be me that cares about this. It's, uh, there's a John Mulaney joke of, I know this movie came out 17 years ago, but I wasn't a comedian back then. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't a podcaster back then. So I'm going to complain about it now. There was something else I wanted to say about this part. Oh yeah. And so this other thing about Faramir being tempted by the ring. I hate this. Peter Jackson felt that in the book, Faramir's casual refusal to seek the ring was anticlimactic and inconsistent with the ring's effects on others. This is why he added in the... This is also... This is the phrase that is used in the trivia. I I didn't put this in. The now controversial subplot of Faramir taking Frodo and Sam captive in Osgiliath. And I'm like, okay, Peter Jackson... You just casually think you know better than Tolkien? All right. Yeah. I'll I'll have an opinion when I get to it, I'm sure. I never <laughs> knew it was a thing I was supposed to be upset about. But I don't think anybody has a better grasp on this world than Tolkien. So I think going against him is a uh, not the side I would be on. And I think the other argument for why this happens is that you can't have previous i think it's at the yeah it's at the end of fellowship when aragorn has the moment where he's like briefly tempted you can't have aragorn be tempted by the ring and have faramir not be tempted by it so i get that but the whole reason faramir isn't tempted by it is because he learns that it was the downfall of his brother Mm. and they just didn't put that in in this yeah that makes way more sense yeah it's it's a lot. It makes sense. But I guess in the movie, we haven't met anybody who's not affected by the ring, unlike how in the books, we've definitely met people who aren't affected by the ring. Like Tom Bombadil? Mike Tom Bombadil. Mike loves Tom Bombadil. Like he's, he's got a fun name. He's a merry fellow and he's yellow boots. So. Wait, wait, wait. Mike, you like Tom Bombadil? I, I, I know literally name. nothing about him. I just know that he's <gasps> he introduced as like, Tom Bombadil is a merry fellow. Jacket of blue and boots are yellow, whatever the hell it is. I just know that that exists and I like that. That's See, all I know. I this brings me so much joy because I love Tom Bombadil and I talked relentlessly when I was doing the fellowship episodes <laughs> for the movie about how he's not in the movie. I support <laughs> it. I, I support it. I also just like doing the hot take of I know that there are people that say he should have been in the movies and he could have saved the ring. He's not blah 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 blah. And there's a lot of Lord of the Rings fans that get very upset by it, and I like having these opinions. I think that. The whole he could have saved the ring thing. I mean, okay, coming into reading the books, there's so many people who are like, they could have flown on eagles. They could have 
toss they it couldn't in, the, have. in the sea. The book makes it airtight. When they have that council that's like the longest chapter so far, mm-hmm. they go through every scenario and I was so happy about it. I was so happy about it because... It, you know, they rule out Tom, too, as an option. It's just, it's airtight, and that makes Which, a lot more sense. I should add, them ruling out Tom Bombadil is literally Gandalf going, Tom Bombadil is gonna, he, he Bombadil will do what Bombadil does, yeah. and he's not gonna help us, because he will never leave the forest. It's basically either he's too selfish to leave, or if he does leave, he's gonna get bored with this quest, and he's not gonna do it. He's gonna, like, <laughs> drop the ring somewhere. <laughs> Uh, it's, he is an enigma, which is the only, the problem is that Tolkien made an all powerful person and then was like, oh shoot, that was a mistake. (laughs) Uh, I I guess I don't really understand him. No one does. That's the thing. He seems to be older than Elrond even. If I have this correctly, he was there when Middle Earth was formed. So is he in the... I'm going to say it wrong. Silmarillion? Silmarillion. Is he in Silmarillion? I don't know. I haven't um, I haven't read it. I'm actually dreading. <laughs> I don't. I haven't decided if I'm going to cover it yet mm. or not on, on the podcast because it's literally a Bible and it's a, also a history book, but for Middle Earth. So, um, yeah. but yeah, he's, uh, he's Batshire insane. That's what people say about the Bible. It's like, oh, it's not interesting enough. You should add a history textbook to it. <laughs> That'll make it more fun. I was going to say, actually, I think I'd rather read the Bible and a history textbook than read the Silver. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like what Tolkien's like main passions were that like that's why there's when you read the books that's why there's so much like he he'll just stop and be like all right now for a history lesson about this part of the (laughs) land and how this acorn came to be (laughs) grow into this tree yeah i was showing though because i had my big book while i was um babysitting some kids of a family friend that's really close to me and i was babysitting their kids and they're seven and nine and four and they were really intrigued by my big book. And so I flipped to the back where they have all the languages and the maps and all the extra, you know, stuff. And they were really into that. So I do think that's very cool. And it's this kind of like whole, he created a whole world. And I'm uh, I'm watching the documentary on him. And it's just a very interesting thing. But yeah, he just really loves to side train into a lecture that I don't think I need. And the songs too. The songs and the poems, I'm just like... I don't need it. Anyway. (laughs) No, I always like would my eyes would just like gloss over as I like skip down the page (laughs) to go to the next section where there is no poem. And then and then you turn the page and it's like, oh, look, another song. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So Faramir is like they're they're finding out that Osgiliath is being attacked and they're calling for reinforcements. And Faramir says the ring will go to Gondor. (sighs) Whatever. Fine. Yeah, so they 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 leave, and then we cut back to Aragorn, looking all bedraggled on that horse. Looks uh, rough. There you go. Looks rough. This is where I went on my Billy rant that Mike fell asleep on, and then we continued <laughs> the movie. And um, this will actually bring us to this week's segment of: Is Viggo Mortensen actually a ranger? Viggo Mortensen, while filming Lord of the Rings, was so impressed with uh, Brago or the horse that played Brago that he purchased him from the owners what? along with two other horses oh. yo <laughs> he bought uh, a different horse that he used while filming two towers and then this is a really 
really nice story. He bought the white stallion that the stunt double for Arwen used um, because she Hmm. had grown really attached to the horse and she, I'm assuming, couldn't afford it. So he bought the horse for her. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Is that horse a different horse than Shadowfax? I'm assuming it's a different horse than Shadowfax. I, I've never looked closely enough at them or know enough about know. horses. That would be so funny if they just kept using, like, they make this big deal about Shadowfax being the lord of all horses, but they just reuse the same, it's white, the same horse. white horse. It's all the same scene. white horses. Just a little, turn the brightness up in that video. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, that concludes this week's segment of Is Vigo Mortensen Actually a Ranger? Wow. Oh, also, actually, I'll reopen the segment. He also apparently bought the horse that he used when he filmed, um, what is it, Hidalgo? I was going to ask that, actually. <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, so he, he apparently now has a habit of buying horses nice. when he does movies with horses. <laughs> I would do that just with cats. That's what Taylor Swift did. She had a cat in her music video, and then she loved the cat, so she bought the cat. I'm like, that's what I would do. But cats are easier to care for than horses. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a much smaller scale. <laughs> yeah, so while he is riding back to Helm's Deep, he sees Saruman's uh, army, and he is like, oh, that's not good. Also, side note, I have no idea how Aragorn goes from he literally just died, and Arwen brought him back to life, essentially. He's very injured here. Still looks rough. And then, like, hours later, he's like, yeah, we're going to fight. I'm not injured at all. Adrenaline. They just gloss over that. (laughs) Adrenaline. And so he goes back to Helm's Deep, and we have great reunion scenes with Gimli. Gimli, he's like, where is he? I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And then he hugs him, and it's so good, and I love it so much. And then when uh, Aragorn is going to talk to Theoden, in classic elf fashion, Legolas is like, I'm going to be dramatic. He stands in his way, <laughs> and and then he's like, he's like, you're late. You look terrible. <laughs> and you see in the distance, Eowyn is watching, and Legolas gives Aragorn back the necklace that Arwen gave him. And when we were doing Two Towers on Bacon and Eggs, either Ethan or Tyler, I don't remember who, made the joke that, like, this is where Awen is like, oh, oh, they're in love with each other. That's his boyfriend. And out of context, it does kind of look like it's Legolas giving his (laughs) essence to Aragorn. That is funny. That is funny. But she does know about Aragorn and Liv Tyler, so I think she puts two and two together probably. Mm -hmm. But out of context, yeah. It does look like. Yeah, you um, you see her in this moment realize that because previously he had told her that she was going to the Undying Lands and that she would basically be out of the picture. Mm-hmm. But you see her realize here that, oh, no, he is still very much in love with her. Was that? I didn't read that as realization oh. in her face. I, oh. I did. That's how I, I read that it. as I'm so happy he's alive and I am realizing the death. Thinking he was dead made me realize the depth of my feelings for him. That was what I read into it. I didn't read her realization in it. I've got to go watch this again. (laughs) Well, because she so she sees Aragorn and she has this. You see her smile and get really happy and she's about to run over and talk to him. But she stops when she sees Legolas give him the necklace because she knows that Arwen gave that to him. And then you see her, um, you see her like get sad, and then she stops and doesn't go over to him. Huh? I gotta rewatch this. That is totally not what I read. I read more of like a she realized her depths of feelings for him, 
realize that he's about to put himself back into harm's way and is like, do I need to like pull back from this because this person has the potential to to die and break my heart if I pursue this? Because I don't know, in my hand, in my mind, like she always knew he had the necklace. So giving back the necklace would be like, okay, he still has the necklace. Like, yeah, that is that, a good point. That wouldn't do, if I were her, that wouldn't do anything to dissuade me. It would be more of the, oh man, this guy almost died and he's about to almost die again. I should really evaluate how involved I want to get with this. But I, I'm really intrigued to see what happens in the book because I don't like that side story very much. It makes her seem like a second choice and I don't think she is by any means and mm-hmm. i know that tolkien like went down i know that he wrote out what it would look like to have a love triangle and then pulled back and didn't write that into the story and it kind of feels like that is what the movies were putting back in mm-hmm. it's um i i've yeah i won't i'm gonna try not to go too much into you know depth into this because i've ranted ad nauseum about the terrible female representation in these movies <laughs> before but uh yeah it's definitely they were like well we want to put in more we want to give our female characters more to do so obviously the only thing they can do is be in love with a man is mm. is what it feels like not a sure. very bechdel friendly film yeah although they gave her more role than she had in the book in some ways, right? This is totally off, but I know that Mary's supposed to be the one that kills the um the king in the end, and she actually kills him in the movies. Hmm. Uh, this is very fun for me because I've never been in the situation where I know more about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and All right, we'll just I wait. This I'm is... going to hold back because I don't want to tell you and, and I want you to read what happens. Oh gosh, I'm going to go home and just do nothing but read. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. This is very fun for me because I literally have never been in a situation. It's always reverse where my guests are like, I don't know. You'll just have to read. <laughs> <laughs> They do, however, elevate her character more because when they leave for Helm's Deep in the book, she doesn't go with them. So at least she did go with them here. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then Aragorn, homeboy, goes to talk to Theoden (laughs) and pushes the doors open. It's real good. It's some good stuff. In the most dramatic fashion ever, it's in slow motion. He, like, has this sway about him. He's still, like, sweating and dripping wet, and he's dirty and bloody, which Aragorn is at his best when he is dirty. This is a known fact. I would agree. I would agree. (laughs) He looks worse when he's clean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when in earlier in the scene when Legolas says, you look terrible, I'm like, does he? (laughs) It's a good look. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've been noticing the weird slow-mo I, it, it never dawned on me before how weird the slow-mo was because they use it a little bit in this scene, but they've been oh, using they it, use it a lot. like throughout. And I'm like, that's weird. That's a very, I guess, a very 2000s thing to do, to put slow-mo and slow fades and stuff like that into your movies. But I think this is the coolest, the coolest swagger of all. It's so extra to the point where I'm like, they knew what they were doing when they filmed this, you know? They knew, they're like, we're going to make every woman and <laughs> straight men as well and male attracted people, literally everyone on the face of the earth, fall in love with this one moment in this movie. I was 10 and I fell in love <laughs> with him in that moment. <laughs> I feel also the fact that 
it cuts immediately after he finished it. I want to live in a world where this was a separate shot where it was just, we have to just shoot this one part of you opening the door sexy like. So I like to live in a world where he just had to do it like 20 times. I want to see the other like, takes. Yeah, I want to see <laughs> yes. the full raw footage. How many times they're like, okay, but this time after you yank the doors open, like sway your arms for it. Now this time put more of your back into it. Like <laughs> I want to see the version where he kicks the door down and yells, boom, <laughs> baby, like Cusco from Empress I want to see. I want to see where he opens it like James A. Castor in season uh, <laughs> seven of Taskmaster. <laughs> <laughs> and then doesn't acknowledge it. Anybody in the room, but just walks in. That's a deep <laughs> cut. <laughs> and then, uh, speaking of of Aragorn kicking things, I would be remiss if I didn't say. Did you guys know that when Aragorn kicks the helmet in two towers, he actually broke his toe, <gasps> and the scream he yells out is one of actual physical pain, and that was the take that they kept in the movie. Wow. Oh wow! I feel like I need to see this exact scene again. Yeah, Dang, Mike doesn't impressive. know what you're talking about because it was before the part that we watched last night, <laughs> and he was probably asleep the first time we. Watched I feel it. like him kicking a helmet is familiar. But I'd this is a so this is a trivia fact that has become a meme in and of itself. One does not simply watch two towers with your friend and watch this scene and then not tell them. <laughs> hey, did you know that when Aragorn kicked the helmet there, Viggo Mortensen actually broke his toe and they kept the take in Ouch. the movie? That's Ouch. As one brutal. who has broken multiple toes, you think they're unimportant until you break one. That, no, it's painful. That sucks. <laughs> it's painful. Yeah, so he pushes the doors open, dramatically announces that he is alive, <laughs> and tells Theoden that there's a huge-ass army coming their way, and they need to do something about it. And Theoden is terrible once again. Uh, I, just, I just wrote down, in all caps, Ugh, Theoden. His response to this, his strategy is, let them. <laughs> yeah, he has no, because we're, so first of all, first of all, let's break this down at how terrible a leader Theoden is, which, by the way, I, Kelly, you'll be, like, better at this when you are reading through it. I have no memory if he was this bad in the book, so you might read it and be like, wait a minute, Theoden wasn't, he was actually pretty good. Why did they, like, ruin him for the movie? Whatever. I'll let you I know. I your memory. I'll let you know when I get there. Yeah. They're talking about what to do. And he's like, well, our walls are pretty big, except for this one point that's really weak. I'm sure that won't come up. And <laughs> then he is, oh, yeah, they're telling Gimli and Legolas and Aragorn are telling him about Saruman's orcs. And they're like, they're not normal orcs. They're breeded to be, they're mutants. And we fought them and they're insane to, to battle and fight against. Theoden goes to Gimli. He's like, I've fought many wars, dwarf. And I'm like, um, true, but one, three hours ago, you were possessed by Saruman. <laughs> so you've lost literally all your privileges with that comes with experience. And two, you haven't fought these people and they have. Just listen to literally anyone. Mm -hmm. But counterpoint, Theoden has a really good goatee. So <laughs> counter, counterpoint, he's also better than Denethor, so there's that. Yes, <laughs> I think that is a universal agreement. Yes, a hundred percent. I also, I don't, I don't really know what else he should have done. Could he oh. can't leave at that point? He gets everybody that he can armed, hides all the people that could be collateral damage, 
And then he waits. I don't know what else he could have done. Except for, I mean, they say call for the elves, call for Gondor, like all that kind of stuff. But also, it's too late. So I'll tell you what. He actually does say, what would you have me do? And I'll tell you what, Theoden. (laughs) Remember two hours ago when we were in Edoras and Aragorn and Gandalf were telling you not to go to Helm's Deep? Maybe you should have listened to them then. Listen to literally anyone. Well, but Aragorn also points out that he has a better chance of defending himself at Helm's Deep than at Edoras. So, well, no, what he says is to go is for is to take their army and go out and meet Saruman's forces so that they're yeah. doing it away from their people and that they draw them out so that they're not just so that they're not putting their own people at risk. I guess so. I mean, like, yes, it would have been horrible if their army had fallen and then, you know, Saruman's army gets into the caves and kills all the women and children. Then that would have been a real disaster. But as it is, it works out for him. Crazy enough, probably because it's a movie. But stroke of luck, I'll tell you what, you know, (laughs) given where he is right now, I don't think there's anything else he could have done except. And I'll tell you this. And Mike, you can plug your ears if you want to. Uh, why? What's this well, going to be about? Okay, I don't have, I'll just not say what it's about without saying it. He could have also armed the women of age. Like, Oh, yeah. That always pisses me off in these movies where they're like, every man able to wield a sword should wield a sword. And I'm like, how about the ladies who can also wield swords? Like, yes. Shouldn't we get like, it's better for them to defend themselves than wait in the cave to be slaughtered. So... That was the only thing watching it with that I was just like, this pisses me off. But yeah, very typical of uh, this kind of movie, I guess. No, 100%. And it's, I mean, it tracks with what the, with what happens with Eowyn earlier, where she wants to stay with them and fight the wargs, but he tells her to go on. It's definitely not great. Um, This also, I forgot to share this trivia during last episode, but I'll share it now because it kind of like fits in. So to increase the number of the Rohirrim Riders, many of the men, quote unquote men, were actually women wearing beards. And Peter Jackson and many others noted that they seemed to be the more skilled riders than the men. Let's go. Move on. Lord of the Rings. To which I say, why couldn't you just have them be women riders? Right. I I will say I do kind of agree with Thaden sending Eowyn with the older people and the children because they needed a leader to follow to get there. Mm -hmm. So I get that. But then like you're making your last stand at this point. You're not willing to call the elves who end up coming anyway. You're not willing to call the people you exiled who end up coming anyway. You're not willing to bring more able-bodied people to fight with you like that. That to me was like this the stupidity of it. But the staying at Helm's Deep and like waiting for them, I don't think he could have done anything else with what he'd already gotten himself into. Yeah, he's 100% dug himself. What is it? You've made your bed and now you have to lie in it. That's, yep. that's the phrase, right? Yeah. Time to eat the cake or whatever. Time to eat your cake or whatever. It's, no, it's eat your, make your cake and eat it too. Isn't that a thing? It's have your cake and eat it too. But have that's when you talk about too. having something and then wanting something additional. Mm, I just <laughs> want some cake right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Theoden also like rings Aragorn out about Gondor. And he's like, where was Gondor when Westfold fell? And it's like, Aragorn wasn't the king. That's not his fault. <laughs> yeah, I also just like this weird rivalry that they have between each other. I'm just like, get over it. It feels like there's bigger things at stake. 
Like, let's put feuds aside until we destroy giant evil army of evil people. Can we at least agree on something? I say all the time that if there had been more prominent female characters and leaders in Lord of the Rings, that this wouldn't be happening, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could, I could see a woman coming through and being like, stop bickering, grab a sword, <laughs> shut up, <laughs> let's kill these orcs, and then you can quabble and squabble later my friend actually wrote an essay in college about uh feminism in in uh the characters and in the books in general she sent me the thesis statement but i'm like i actually want to read that the (laughs) whole paper when i'm done with this (laughs) oh yes uh a hundred percent forward that essay to me if you ever (laughs) get the chance Like where I am right now mentally uh, in a post-election world, I'm so like renewed with energy and it legit has made me be like, maybe I should go get my master's and I can go back to school and then one day I can teach a class on Tolkien through a critical feminist lens. Mm. I'm not going to do that though cuz that's a lot of money. But I have her uh I have her thesis statement here. She has three major points. One, the traditional domestic roles as represented by Rosie Cotton, Goldberry, and the Entwives and mm-hmm. how they are threatened and appear to be powerless but actually hold and represent significant power as sources of healing and refuge. And then two, the authoritative strength as represented by Eowyn and Galadriel who both wield power typically regular rele- relegated to men within Middle-earth, but are actually able to achieve things that their male counterparts can't specifically because of their gender. And then three, and I found this to be the most interesting part, Shelob as a representative of female power that's been twisted into something deeply malicious and threatening due to the influence of Sauron. The argument there being that we know Sauron doesn't create on his own. He only copies and mocks what's created, suggesting that Shelob is a picture of female authority and strength functioning under total demonic corruption and devouring instead of creating. Oh, I know. I love that. I'm like ready to read this paper. I'm like, I have to finish the books first, but. (laughs) Especially the thing about Shelob, because Mm -hmm. I'm like the only person when I read that chapter and I'm so excited for you to read it. The way that Tolkien describes her, I'm like, what a boss ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else is like, what is wrong with you? She's a giant gluttonous spider. I'm like, yeah, she's everything I aspire to. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're preparing for Helm's Deep. Ah, it's going to be crazy. We cut to Treebeard, Mike's favorite part Ugh. of the movie. <laughs> so boring. It's just so boring. Uh, it's just it's so it's so good but but the problem is that okay so the problem with the ints is that their nature is to be they are very slow moving people or people creatures and are not moved to action um the whole reason they talk slowly and and like the words that they use are really long uh is because they're like words are something with like were like language being taking the time to say things that are worth saying rather than like rushing through it and you can't do that when you have a movie because then it just brings everything to a grinding halt 
Which is why I get why so much of the int stuff was cut uh, for the theatrical edition. Should have cut more, honestly. I, I know from what we watched in the extended uh, cut edition when we watched the second one, it was like all int stuff. <laughs> like it was all ents. And I think I think that's probably why I have such a negative opinion on them is that the first time I watched the second movie, it was the extended cut. And I was like, why do we care about these trees? They talk slow. They walk slow. They make decisions <laughs> slowly. This movie is already 12 years long. What if there were just no tree scenes? And I guess that's basically what they did in the theatrical edition is someone said, get rid of these trees. Well, my brother and I had a card game that we used to play when we were little that was Lord of the Rings themed and Treebeard was one of the strongest cards you could have. So I am incredibly biased for him as I am for everything else. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing of the ints. So, okay. So what, what they do in the scene, Treebeard brings Mary and Pippin and they're like, he's like, we're going to have a meeting. And he, they have an int moot. And I love this scene of all the different ints coming in yeah. and you hear like the sound editing that they did for this is so cool because you hear like the groaning of the trees and the wood and you get to see all these different characters and like characterization of the ints and I just love it. I like the willow. I think he's cute. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, that's like all that's all you get because then it cuts away again. And that's what annoys me so much about the ints in Two Towers is that right as you start, right as you get a scene with them and you start like getting back into their part of the story and you get like reinvested and you're like, oh, this is exciting. What are they doing? It cuts away again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're having this meeting to talk about what they're going to do. And that's why it's so powerful that Mary and Pippin are the ones who found them because the hot, if it had been anyone else, they wouldn't have been able to get the ints to join this fight because the ints have to be very moved to action. They are, they're only going to invest in something if they think it's worth investing in. Mm -hmm. And Mary and Pippin are the only people who can sit there and take the time to just chill with them and be there with them and, and convince them that this is worth their time and energy. Really, uh, in the end, orchestrated by Mary more than Pippin, who I already know the movies have done dirty. Uh, the movies basically Fred and George them, where they're just the same. They're comic. Like they're and always they're comic just relief. yeah. They're just well, comic, comic relief, and they're just Mary and Pippin. They're they're not. You just don't remember that uh, they do diverge. Okay. They, they go on separate adventures. They they separate them physically. Uh, uh, freak my But heart. they do. The movies do make them comedic relief, as opposed mm -hmm. to like at least where I am in the books. They're a lot more. There's a lot more to their character. Well, honestly, though, I would I would say that they they didn't really change much, at least in my interpretation. I don't think they really changed much about them when they put them on the screen. I think they just really emphasized the comedic relief part. Um, oh, I hated uh, of their that characters. I hated that they just accidentally became part of this adventure whereas in the books they've been planning yeah. for like a decade to follow Frodo to the, they know he's going someplace dangerous and they're willing to trick him to to make sure he doesn't leave them behind like their loyalty and their friendship is so much deeper as opposed to just oh we accidentally ended up on this quest and like let's keep going and see what happens as opposed to like a very conscious decision that they make to be there for their mm -hmm. friend and their cousin too, right? They're related in some way. Yeah, they're all. I think they're basically all cousins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see. I kind of. I kind of like. 
I, I do like it better in the book how they join in on the journey, but I just think it's really funny and it's very on brand for their character too, that what happens in the movie is they just happen to bump into them and then they, <laughs> but I think it's also a good testament to their friendship and loyalty. What happens in the movies is that like they accidentally stumble upon Frodo and Sam and they just never question it That's the whole true. time. They're like, yeah, we're going to come with you That's to true. Rivendell. Why are these evil like witch people following us? That's weird. No, we're going to protect you. And then when they, oh, the Council of Elrond, when when Pippin, he, they agree to go on this mission quest thing. And Pippin doesn't even know what it is yet. They agree before they know what's happening. That That's good. how loyal they are to their friend. I, I, I have found so far that like, even though some of the specifics get cut out that I really hate, I am so impressed with whoever did the screenplay for all this because it's really keeping like... The I've essence of the, the essence characters. of a lot of people are kept. Yeah, throughout. yeah, that's a really good way to explain it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so Treebeard, the Ents. Yes, yeah, so they cut away again. Great, fantastic, whatever. And we are back at Helm's Deep, and they're preparing for this battle, and they're gathering up all of the uh, old men, basically children, bo- like little boys. There's one, I think, like a teenager that they pull, and it looks like he's wearing a beanie that someone would wear in 2020, (laughs) and it's very weird to me. I don't know if you guys noticed that guy, the that kid as well. I don't remember. Uh, I don't know if I did. The only kid I really knew is when they single out that one kid, and you know, Aragorn yeah, has a little talk. With that's him. a that's a weird scene. I'll talk about that. I in actually a sec. really like. Oh, okay, never mind. We're gonna talk about that in a sec. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Um, and they have this scene of all of them getting swords and shields and armor and stuff. And then Legolas and Aragorn have this conversation. And Well, okay. Well, actually, first of all, Legolas says, look at them. They're frightened. They don't really look frightened. <laughs> well, some of the small children do. And rightfully so, as Aragorn as the, yeah, points out. As they all should be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then Legolas and Aragorn have this conversation in Elvish, which I feel like is just rude because everyone everyone turns to look at Legolas at one point when he says something, which is weird to me when it happens because he was he didn't like start talking louder than he was before. Yeah. They all of a sudden just look at him. Yeah, it was very that was a very um non-smooth transition yeah 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 Legolas is saying like this isn't fair 300 people against 10,000 they're going to die and Aragorn in English says then I shall die as one of them yep and so everybody around them is like what the is going on here guys yeah and so (laughs) I've seen these jokes about like can you imagine you're preparing for the battle of Helm's Deep and then these two guys start speaking in Elvish and then one of them just goes then I shall die as one of them pretty intense i will say in the elvish part there is a part where legolas specifically and i don't know elvish but he does say raganagathaya really loud and that's my favorite part that's my favorite elvish <laughs> sentence is whatever raganagathaya is he woke up he woke up to that because he likes it but i had also made fun of it the last time we watched this movie yes <laughs> uh the only elvish i know how to say is when aragorn goes habara legolas in the council of Elrond when he tells which means Sit down, Legolas. 
And even still, I might have someone be like, you didn't say that right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Of course. Aragorn storms off and Gimli is like, let him be, Legolas. He needs to come. I'm like, no, it's Legolas who needs to fix his attitude. Like, they're here. They're in here. They're in it for the long haul. We don't need your negativity right now. That is not going to do us any good. You need to fix your tood, Legolas. <laughs> Which he does. He's the one who comes back and apologizes. So, mm-hmm. And we have this scene of Theoden. He's having an existential crisis. <laughs> and he actually says, he says who am I and it reminded me of the extended ed- it's an extended edition scene for Chamber of Secrets when Harry is just sitting oh yeah 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 <laughs> by himself and he goes who am I Hedwig mm-hmm. what am I so moody and he's like looking at the school from like some mountain that he hiked up yeah it's wild I literally make fun of that scene all the time very rightfully deleted scene and he's like has it really come to this? And it's like, yeah, that's what happens when you don't listen to anyone who tried to advise you otherwise. Yep. Pretty much realizing what he's gotten himself into. And then he gives this very despairing speech as it cuts over um, people preparing, like young boys are getting helmets put on and they're grabbing swords. And he's just talking about like shadow and darkness and everything's terrible. How has it come to this? And I like this speech only for the fact that it's really amazing when it's juxtaposed with Sam's speech at the end of the battle. Oh. And it's just so powerful. Yeah. I I do love a good Theoden speech, but I'm going to... We didn't finish the movie last night, but we were watching it. Mike insisted we stop. So I'm going to go back. <laughs> I had, I had work to do. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you didn't have time to sit there for another 40 minutes and watch a battle? <laughs> I didn't. That's what I've got time for. <laughs> <laughs> then we have this random scene, which I don't I don't understand the purpose of it. I don't get it. Maybe this will be explained in extended edition or when I watch it with commentary. I don't know. But there's this scene where there's this young boy and he has a sword and Aragorn's like, come here. What's your name? And he takes a sword from him and like flings it around and it makes the like sword whooshy sound. (laughs) He's like, this is a good sword. Have hope. And that's the scene. I actually, so that guy was the son of, you know how there were two. Right. mm -hmm. Two Rohanians. What are they called? (laughs) Rohanites. Yeah, they were heroes. Yeah, yeah, and one of them was killed by the wolf scout. Yes, I actually made fun of him in that moment because so in the previous episode I talked about during the warg battle Hama is the one who the warg comes and attacks him and in, instead of doing what a soldier should do which is get up and fight with his sword he just sits there and screams. Yeah, I guess so, but I mean, I mean it's also in my opinion this terrible monster. Like, we've been hearing about the wolves of Isengard, right? This is not any wolf I've ever seen. And so I imagine, like, this is the first time he's seen this monster, and I, too, would, like, scream in the face of the monster and just, like, forget my being. But I do find it interesting now that we're talking to his son, and his son has, you know, lost his father figure, lost his father, and has now at a very young age since he looks so young been dragged out to be kind of like the new head of his house the new man of his household and i like that aragorn steps into this almost father role for him because his dad's not around to be the one to like tell him to have hope in the battle i i actually really like that um the nuance of being able to meet this guy's son and and what becomes of him 
I guess. <laughs> I still think it's just so random and it could have been it. Like watching it, it seemed to me like, oh, hey, they forgot to cut something from the that's in the extended edition. <laughs> it does seem a little bit like Aragorn showing off with a sword in front of a little kid. It also but... doesn't look like a good sword. It's got like a bunch of like nicks and dings all up and down it. I, I don't get why he says it's a good is... sword. It's a kid who's too young with equipment that's too old and Aragorn is telling him to have hope anyway. And I always just liked the connection that it was the same guy as before. And so this kid looks so stoic, but he's got to be dealing with so much at this point. I liked it. I'm pro everything. (laughs) Then Aragorn heads in. He he has this renewed sense of strength, and then he goes in. It's like a really cool scene of him like gearing up for battle, um, as he's like tightening belts and putting gloves on and, and stuff. <laughs> I love this part. And then Gimli comes oh, out wearing chainmail. Oh yeah, and it drops to the floor because obviously he's a dwarf. They don't have any chainmail suitable <laughs> for a dwarf. Mm-hmm. And there's this shot of that stands behind him, and he. I just love the way that it looks like a child in an oversized t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does a bit. It does. I love I Gimli with the classic comic relief right here. I love it. And that's that's really interesting too because he is not really the he's not the comic relief in the book at all. They elevated his character to do that in the movies yeah. more so, I found. I think it's a good decision. I think he's I think a he's fun funny, comic yeah. relief character. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually this is perfect. This is this fits in so perfectly with this trivia. So John Reese Davies, um, who plays Gimli, like years before, he had lost the tip of one of his fingers in an accident. And so while filming, he was fitted with a prosthetic to wear so that you wouldn't notice it. And Peter Jackson didn't know this. So while shooting, he decided to play a prank on Peter Jackson and he filled the tip of the prosthetic with blood and then like Ah, went ah. and like glued it so that it was like a little bit undone. And he walked over to him and said, boss, I've had an accident (laughs) and then like bent the prosthetic back and all this blood came gushing out. Now, did he say he had an accident? That would have been good. Uh yeah, so I just love that that like John Reese Davies decided to play this prank on on Peter Jackson. I like it's it. I support good. it. It's very good. Yeah, so then they hear this very triumphant sound. What is that sound? It's a bunch of elves. Yeah. And Legolas goes running out. Which are these Rivendell elves, Lothlorien elves? Where did these elves come from? So, um, yes, so this army of elves come in and they're being led by Haldir, which is the elf that we meet in Riv... No, in Lothlorien. So I believe they're Lothlorien elves. It might just be a fusion of Lothlorien and Rivendell elves because... And this reveal is done really well because the last we saw of the elves, Galadriel and... Elrond were having this weird telepathic conversation that I still don't get how they did that, but whatever, about like, do we stay here and fight for mortality of men? Like, ugh, mortals, we don't need them. (laughs) Or do we go to the Undying Lands and save ourselves? What do we do? And so the last we saw of them, we kind of are under the impression that the elves are just going to peace out. Yeah. And so for them to come in and Haldir tells Theoden, he's like, elves and men once fought years ago and we are here to renew that alliance. 
Aragorn comes out and he goes to like shake his hand, but then he hugs him. <laughs> and I love that moment because Haldir for a second is like, he's confused. He's like, I don't get uh, it. Don't process. <laughs> I also like how this is um, it's obvious that Aragorn has a connection with these people who came to save the day. And it's right in front of Thade and it's a little bit of a slap in the face of, look, I, I'm <laughs> still a better leader than you and I'm not technically king. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I will. I, I will. I don't want to say much without... Okay, so whatever. The Battle of Helm's <laughs> Deep in the book, this does not happen. The elves do diddly squat in the books. They are non-existent except for Legolas and Galadriel, basically. Wow. What? Yeah. The huh. elves showing up uh, to this battle was a big surprise for me. Wow. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Are you just sitting in that for a second? Yeah. Like, huh. <laughs> huh. huh. <laughs> not sure what to do with that because Haldir dies. Yeah, I'm but... pretty sure... Then again, it's been so long. I say so long. It's been a year since (laughs) I read this part of the book. And unless I woefully misinterpreted something, I don't think the elves come. I'm pretty sure they don't really do anything in the books. Interesting. Yeah, I'll uh, Mm. I'll let you know when I get there. That being said, though, this is still a very cool moment, and I like it. Yeah. And it also has this nice message of, like, you never know. Because before Theoden was like, no help is going to come. We're not, no one's going to help us. And then, like, help comes in the most unexpected places sometimes. Yeah. And I, I, um, I like the fact that they decided to stick around, at least for mm-hmm. some of them did anyway. Yes. And then Haldir says, we are proud to stand uh, amongst men once more. And we have this shot of Legolas in the background, like over his shoulder. And Orlando Bloom is pulling the weirdest expression I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> all right, I got to go back. Yeah, I got to go I see this one. I didn't this. notice it. I can't believe you didn't notice that. It's all I can notice whenever I watch this scene. I'm going, oh my God, I'm going please back go back and watch immediately. it. Yeah, we will, we will. Yeah, Legolas, uh, Le- I almost said Legolas Bloom. Works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, Orlando Bloom has very interesting facial expressions while filming this this movie. So that's the, the end of this section of the movie and the end of our uh, movie discussion for this episode. So uh, is, there, is there anything you guys wanted to mention real quick that we didn't discuss that we glossed over? I think we hit everything. Well, I don't know if we hit it quite well enough, but I really, really... <laughs> Love Lord of the Rings. Oh, and then <laughs> glad we could clear that up. Just in case, yeah. like, there's any just, just in case that wasn't there. Of, glad we could you know. air that out and make sure everyone. If you if you learned one thing from this episode, hopefully it's that Kelly likes this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just in case there was just you know slight confusion, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, what would you guys like to plug, and where can people find you on the internet if you want them to find you on the internet? Sure. So I do a couple podcasts. Uh, Potterless, as you mentioned, is me reading the Harry Potter books for the very first time. I never read them as a kid, so it's me doing it as an adult. And I go through the books and the movies and everything. Then I have a podcast called Meddling Adults, which is a podcast for charity where we have guests compete to solve children's mysteries uh, from things like Encyclopedia Brown, Encyclopedia Brown, Scooby-Doo, stuff like that. And then I also have a basketball podcast called Horse, where we only talk about the entertaining stuff. So player beefs and drama and uniforms and stories about Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, so you can check all of that out. I have a website. It's just Shubes, but it's S-C-H-U-B dot E-S. You can check it out there. And if you want to follow me on social media, I'm at Shub17, S-C-H-U-B-E-S-1-7 on uh, Twitter and Instagram, basically. <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite that present on the internet uh <laughs> i'm uh at vote for me kelly b on twitter where you, you know you can see me talk about cats and bts and uh 
probably Lord of the Rings now. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and you're on a bunch of episodes of Potterless, so if yeah, you that listen too. <laughs> to that, you'll be on a, you'll hear Kelly's voice again. Yeah. Awesome. That's what I'm talking about. As a proud member of WBNE, you can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org, where you will find all of our shows like this one. Howdy, Yokes. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edge Hill. And we host Bacon and Eggs, a movie lovers podcast. It's the most roll your eyes, I've seen it before concept for a show. But with new hosts, I promise. Each week, we sit down together and watch a beloved movie. We start by looking at some critical and concrete points and let our conversation flow from there. We've covered all sorts of movies, from Jaws to Little Women. From the Lego Movie to the Lego Movie 2. From Marvel to Star Wars. From Back to the Future to Back to the Future Part 2. And tangents from our frustrations with fast food. To discussing our fear of the Mighty Loon. So if you want a podcast that makes you laugh, download Bacon and Eggs, a movie lover's podcast. With new episodes available every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts, and now on WBNE.org. Ghostbusters 2! I, I, my my hope and dream was that you would say that. The cover art is by Graphite, aka Vaishon Brennan. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod, and you can also join the Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. And also, you can find me on TikTok at MCWhatsApp, where I do a lot of Lord of the Rings stuff that is currently being shadow banned. I've been shadow banned, I think, completely from Lord of the Rings TikTok, but also just maybe in general. So just, yeah, go look me up on TikTok. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod, where you will find different tiers and perks. You can become a $3 patron, which will let you into the WBE Discord in a specific thread for That's What I'm Talking About, and you can talk to all of the other Tolks. You can also become a sponsor of the podcast like Quinn. Quinn, thank you so much for all of your support of That's What I'm Talking About. I appreciate it so so much that being said do you have any parting words for the audience yes if you ever have the chance to ride your shield down a flight of stairs you should do it it's clearly the best strategy and that's what i'm talking about (laughs) 